following message is from New Life Gillette series, Wilderness Life. This week, Pastor Mike presents part one of this series. Uh, it is good to see you. We are starting a new series today called Wilderness Life. And we're talking about how there are often seasons in our lives that we just that feel like a wilderness. What is a wilderness season? A wilderness season is a season that feels like it just is never gonna end. We feel alone. It just feels like meaningless wandering. What is the point? When will this ever be over? When will I get out? It's like April in Wyoming. Like, is winter ever going to end? It just keeps coming. For me, there were, there's been a few wilderness seasons in my life. My brother and I planted a church in Kansas City that, that flopped, and we kept trying and kept trying. Or when I was a new pastor, and I, I just felt overwhelmed. Or when we went through uh, years of infertility, or whatever it was, different seasons in your life where you're just not happy where you are. You'd like to be in the next season. Maybe for you, it's a job. Maybe, maybe you are wondering, how long do I got to do this dumb job? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of my boss. I'm sick of what I have to do. Can I just quit? But then I won't have an income and I won't be able to pay my bills. Maybe I should go back to school because then I can just defer it to later. But then I'm going to have a bunch of debt. So then I got to work to pay off the debt. So that's not going to work. Maybe for you, the wilderness is a living situation. Maybe I'm paying rent, but I'm not getting any equity. I want to buy a house, but I don't want to put down roots. I'm planning on moving. Or what if I get transferred? You're asking yourself, should I move in with my boyfriend or should I get married first? All he does is play video games. He won't even know I'm there. Why would I do that? Should I move on to the next season? Maybe for you, it's a relationship. I've graduated college, so does that mean I should move in with my parents? But I don't want to be that guy or I'm single. I don't want to be single. I want to be married, but I'd like to get out of this singleness. Or we're married and we want to have kids, but we can't have kids. We're just ready to be out of this season. And if you go through all these examples I've just given, you'll notice one thing that usually wilderness experiences follow mountaintop experiences. So you got the big high mountaintop experience, and then right after that you get this wilderness experience. This is what happened to Jesus in his life. If you read the story of Jesus, you get the, uh, you don't hear much about his life, and then he shows up and John the Baptist is baptizing him. It's this really cool experience where God, the Father, speaks from heaven to Jesus, and this is my son, and he's proud of him. And then the Holy Spirit descends. You got all three of the Trinity in one place, and it's this powerful experience, mountaintop experience. And then what happens right after that? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What happens in the wilderness? Temptation, tempted by the devil. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days, hungry, thirsty, struggling, mountaintop, followed by wilderness. What's that in your life? I, we got married and everything was great. And then I found out he cheated on me. I bought my dream car and I couldn't pay the bill. Something great happened, followed by pain. Your deepest need becomes a gift, though, when it drives you to rely on God. Today, I'd like to spend some time going through the story of Elijah. 
If you've read the Old Testament, you've read the story of Elijah. He's a, he's a prophet who had this incredible mountaintop experience, literally up on a mountain. He's on Mount Carmel, and God uses him to embarrass this evil king of Israel named Ahab. And let's, let's go back. Okay, so this is the mountaintop experience, but actually it was led, the mountaintop, he like climbed up that mountain, and it was a really great climb. And it started when Elijah prophesied that a drought was coming. You see, you got this evil king Ahab. He's rebelling against God. So Elijah, a prophet, calls down a drought because of Ahab's sins. So King Ahab got really mad at Elijah. And so he tries to kill Elijah. He sent his whole army out to try and kill Elijah. But had no success because God protected Elijah. For three years, the entire army of Ahab can't kill Elijah. God literally at one point sent ravens to bring meat and bread to Elijah in the wilderness. That's awesome. Elijah's got slave ravens that are feeding him. Like, I'm in. That's the kind of mountaintop experience I want. And Ahab can't kill Elijah. And then Elijah has an encounter there where he gets to raise a boy from the dead. Now, this is a whole nother level of profit, whole nother level of power. And then the climax of the story of Elijah happens when he stands up to 850 false prophets of Baal. One prophet of God, 850 prophets of Baal, and they fail to do all the challenges set before them. And he calls down fire from heaven to light an altar that has been soaking wet, lighted on fire. Awesome. Elijah wins. They all look like idiots. And he proves that he serves the real God and they're all embarrassed. So then right after this great scene, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So King Ahab was evil, but he had a wife, a queen, who was even eviler. Like, this woman is evil, Jezebel, the villain of the story. So Jezebel sent his message to, this message to Elijah. May the gods, she apparently she still believes in these gods who've been made fools. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. What's just happened? The guy can't get the job done, so the woman steps in. Ahab's been trying to kill Elijah for years and keeps failing over and over, but then the woman steps in and Elijah gets scared. Uh-oh. It's like when I can't find the remote. Darcy steps in. It's like, it's right on the coffee table, Mike. Just gets the job done. Elijah was terrified. He was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Now, if you don't know the map of Israel, this may not seem like that big of a deal to you, but Elijah, in his running away from Jezebel, has just run from northern Israel to Beersheba and Judah. That's 100 miles before Uber. He's on foot. He has just turned into Forrest Gump. He was running away from Jezebel. 
Then he went on alone into the wilderness. Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Whoa, what just happened? Mountaintop to I'm praying for death. Everything was great. Now he's praying that God will kill him. And then he says the words that so many of us in our lives have thought and maybe even said. He says, I have had enough, Lord. When have you said these words? Maybe your kid's driving you crazy. Your boss screamed at you again. Your car broke down again. Titus pooped his pants again. Personal story. The kids don't like anything that I cook for them. So I turned into Jezebel and now I feel bad about it. He says, take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. You feel tired? I hear it all the time. What's wrong? I'm just tired. I don't know why, just I'm tired. Actually, I lived in Oklahoma for six years before I moved up here. And when they were really tired, they weren't tired. They were tarred. How do you spell that? T-A-R-D. I'm tarred. So when you're tired, what do you do? You take a nap. You make time, you do what it takes, and you take a nap. Henry Cloud says that most of us, the problem isn't actually that we're physically tired. If that were the problem, we could take a nap and it would fix the problem. So why isn't the nap working? He says, we're not in need of physical rest. We're in need of spiritual replenishment. You might need physical rest. A lot of us do. A lot of us live at a pace and do things in our lives that cause us to need rest. So take a vacation. Rest. Do that. If you need rest, take rest. Sabbath. But if the rest doesn't work, if you've been vacationing a bunch and it just feels like it's adding to the busyness, if you've been trying to chase down rest with vacation or with naps and it's not working, then you don't need rest. You need something more. You need an encounter with the very real presence of God. You need an intimate moment with God's unexplainable peace. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He does even more than that. In those resting places, he renews my strength. I tell my sons all the time, take a deep breath. Get really angry or get really frustrated or get really sad. Take a deep breath. And think for a minute about your blessings. Think about the things that God has given you. Think about the, the big picture. 
Think about the fact that you are a child of God himself who can renew your strength, who can give you what nothing physical can give you. You need more than just rest. You need an encounter with God. And this is where Elijah is. So what does God do for Elijah? He didn't preach at him. He didn't blame him. He didn't yell at him for complaining under the broom tree. What did he do? As he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. I I think this is a beautiful scene. This is not the God that the rest of the world portrays to us. This is the Old Testament God too. Isn't he some angry, hateful, judgmental, kill everybody God? Wait, here is a picture of Dr. God. Of bedside manner God. Of loving pastoral God. He comes down and he says, let's, let's see if your problem is just that you're tired. Let's take a nap. Let's rest. Let's eat. Let's see if this fixes the problem. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Let's take care of the physical thing first. Let's take a nap. Let's, let's take a vacation. God in this moment is the great physician. He is healing Elijah. He's giving him the rest that he so desperately needs. And I love that in this picture, the angel comes back a second time. Do you know God pursues you? There's somebody listening to me today, maybe in the room or online, who gave God a chance. That I tried that. Didn't work. He didn't help me. He didn't give me what I wanted. I tried that. Now I'm moving on. And so you moved on to something else. And, and maybe it was a drug or alcohol or a relationship or a habit or a hobby or something. And you moved on and you tried to fill a hole in your life with that. And you've been, just keep trying. I, need, I just need, maybe I just need more of it. You just, you just go back to it. And it, it's not working. It's not actually helping, but you just keep going back to it. Did you know that even while you're running away from him, He's pursuing you. He keeps coming back. His grace is sufficient. His mercies are new every morning. And he just keeps saying, I love you. As you're running away from him, I love you. You are the prodigal son and I love you. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. Where's he going? For 40 days and 40 nights, he's going to Mount Sinai. There's some foreshadowing for you. The mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? If you're running from God, that's what he's saying to you. What are you doing? You're living for yourself or trying, you're trying to accumulate more or do more or look prettier or whatever it is you're pursuing that you think is going to fulfill you. How's it working for you? Has it fulfilled you? Does it, has it filled the hole that you're trying to fill? 
No, it hasn't. What are you doing here? It's not working, so quit going back to it. And then I think in the story, Elijah responds to God, and I think he's whining at this point. He's using his whiny voice. Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord, the God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of our prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah's whining. He's in a spiritual wilderness. He is hurting. He is in pain. His need is so great that he can't see the big picture. I can't see my calling. I can't see what you've done in the past. I keep forgetting about what the things that you've done in the past because all I can see is the pain I'm in now. He's just stuck. So what does God do? He meets Elijah in his wilderness. He meets Elijah in his time of need and God heals him, comforts him, gives him rest. And that's why your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to rely on God. Some of us are in wilderness seasons and we just want out. Whatever it takes, I just want out. And many of us need to stay there for a little while. Now, most of us in our wilderness seasons, we're in it for a reason. Because it needs to drive us to God. Don't waste the wilderness. Let it drive you to him. Let him fill the hole that you're trying to fill with everything else. So God says to Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. Elijah's thinking, windstorm, that's gotta be God. This is why he told me to come out here. Something big and powerful like this, it must be God. But the Lord was not in the wind. After wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. God wasn't in the shaking of the earth. He wasn't in the mighty wind. Wasn't in the fire. Not in the earth wind, or fire. You got to be old enough to get that. God wasn't in the extraordinary. He was in the ordinary. We assume we need some crazy miracle in our wilderness. We assume that we need God to send down lightning or do something crazy for us to believe in him. So we don't recognize when God is doing something slowly or when God is doing something simply. When I look back at the wilderness times of my life, I am thankful for the lessons that I learned there. Do I want to repeat them? Absolutely not. But I believe that God used them to make me something that he needed me to be. God was not in the earthquake. God was in the whisper. God was not in the mighty winds. He was in the whisper. 
But why? Why is it that when life is so loud, when everybody's so angry and everything is going wrong and everybody's complaining and the world around us is so busy and loud, that God is so quiet. God is quiet because he's trying to communicate something to us in his tone. Why doesn't he shout? God whispers because he's close. God was with Elijah in the wilderness and he's with you in your wilderness, whether you recognize him or not, when you, whether you believe it or not. Because sometimes we ask for him to shout down from heaven. Shout down, do something amazing. Do a miracle. Now he does that. We believe he does do some shouting. We've seen it quite often. He does do miracles, but most often, that's not how he speaks to us. That's not how he leads us. That's not how he communicates with us. Because he's trying to communicate that he's different than the angry world we live in. He's not shouting from a distance. He is close. The Satan shouts his lies, but God whispers his truth. What does he say? He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I love you unconditionally. I created you on purpose for a purpose. Nothing can separate you from my love. He says, when you hurt, I hurt. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Do you know him like that? Have you related to him in this way? Have you had a conversation with him like this? Because there's a challenge here. When you're speaking to somebody who's whispering, what does it require? To hear a quiet voice, you have to slow down. Sabbath. It's why the angel made Elijah sleep under the broom tree. You've been running for 100 miles and then 40 days and you just go, go, go. Stop. Calm down. End the busyness. How many of us just fill our lives full of sports or vacation or overtime or hobbies or whatever it is. We just fill our lives with more, 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 more busy because I got to crowd out the pain. I got to escape the things I'm afraid of or escape the pain in my life. So we just fill it full of busyness. God says, slow down. Sabbath. To hear a quiet voice, you got to slow down and you've got to get close. Is anybody scared of storms when they were young? No, but we got a bunch of liars in the room. Uh, I was scared of storms when I was young, I'll admit it. A couple weeks ago, my parents were on vacation in Texas. They, they, my parents live with us. and We have two bedrooms upstairs in our house, and we have two bedrooms downstairs in our house. And I have two sons. They each have their own room. So Darcy and Mike, me and my wife, 
have one bedroom upstairs. My youngest son, Titus, has another bedroom upstairs. That means Lincoln, my oldest son, gets the bedroom in the basement, which is normally okay because my parents live down there, and so he's close, and he's fine. Well, they were on vacation. To make matters worse, my wife was in Kansas for uh, her nephew's wedding, and so it's just the three guys, my dad and Titus are upstairs, Lincoln downstairs by himself, which should normally be okay, except for the fact that there was a big storm that night. It was one of those early storms we had this season, that just lots of lightning and thunder. And I was sitting in the living room, and I heard a whimpering coming from Lincoln's bedroom. Initially, I assumed it must just be a, a bad dream. He, he has bad dreams sometimes. And so I walked into his room to wake him up to escape the bad dream. And I walk in, he's not sleeping. He's sitting up on his bed, wide awake. And the whimpering was not crying, just kind of an uncomfortable situation. I said, Lincoln, what's wrong? And he didn't answer. Never does. I said, Lincoln, are you scared? And he said, yeah. I said, do you want to sleep with me tonight? And he chuckled. Like, I don't know if I should be offended. What's the chuckling mean? See, my wife and I have drawn a very clear line. They do not sleep in our bed with us ever. They never have. We got other business to take care of in that room and they're not allowed. So when I mentioned him sleeping in my bed with me because mom's out of town, he laughed. Then I realized, oh, he doesn't think I'm serious. He thinks I'm telling a joke. And so I said, no, seriously, do you want to sleep in my bed with me? He said, yeah. And he jumped out of bed, ran up the stairs, beat me up there. He's laying down in bed before I could even get up there. And Lincoln laid down and he fell asleep instantly. I don't think his head had hit the pillow and he was asleep. Here's a crazy thing. The storm is louder and brighter in my bedroom than in his. It, the storm is still raging. Yet he's sleeping. Why? How? What's the difference? Somehow, I have lied enough to convince my son that I am the strongest person in the world. And you ask him, who is the strongest person in the world? To this day, he still believes it's me. Don't tell him otherwise. And he has confidence that if he's with dad, he's okay. So he can lay down in that bed and fall right asleep. The God of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who is victorious in all situations, his all-powerful, Nothing is beyond him, is close. He's right there. In order for Lincoln to sleep with me, he had to come upstairs, but that's not the case with us. Because often in our lives, we think, I gotta get to heaven so I can be with God. But that is not the good news of the gospel. Yes, that's part of the good news of the gospel. Someday I'm gonna die and I'm gonna get to be in heaven with God. But it's more than that. 
Because Jesus didn't stay in heaven. Jesus came to earth and he died so that he could experience what we experience, so he could relate to our pain, and then also so that he could make it possible that the Holy Spirit can live with us today. The Holy Spirit can give us peace that goes beyond anything, any ability to understand. The Holy Spirit, whose mercies are new every morning, is with you even when you don't know it. Speaking in his still quiet voice. And the amazing thing about God's power is because usually powerful people use it to control other people, right? Powerful people use it to lord over other people. That's not our God. He is so powerful that he is close. He's so powerful that he loves us enough to use it on our behalf. What the, what the enemy means for evil, he can use for good. He's that powerful and he's that loving. So even though the storm is raging outside, Lincoln is sleeping. And Elijah in this moment is up on the mountain and and God is talking to him and he has courage. Yet Jezebel's still coming. The wilderness is still there. But in the wilderness, we're growing. And we're growing closer to God. There's a lot of you today who are in the wilderness. And this is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for you to slow down and draw close. Slow down and draw close to God. The one who actually is the strongest, most powerful. He's there with you. So here's my invitation for you this week. Take some time. By yourself, get quiet, slow down, and have a conversation. And you're probably not going to hear an audible voice from God. But my prayer for you is that in that moment, he will give you peace that passes understanding. He'll give you some hope in your wilderness. And he'll give you some courage in your wilderness. Because only he really can. God, I thank you that even though in this world we have trouble, you are victorious in all things. And even when we experience loss and pain in this world, you time and time again give us peace that is beyond all of that. God, I pray that right now you would give unbelievable peace to everybody who's listening to me right now. That your your Holy Spirit would be comfort and guidance and gentle love. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.